You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. No guests today. I'm running solo, and I think I'm going to take this opportunity to just really catch up with you guys about what's going on in my life, some things that have happened that really have opened my eyes, and um, and you know, talk to me, talk a little bit about uh, maybe some struggles. Maybe some of the strategy I'm going to uh, put together for this upcoming season, and uh, I'm really looking forward to. I'm really looking to this uh, uh, the season. However, there's been a, a couple road bumps that uh, we're going to talk about today. Um, on this episode, uh, we're we're going to talk about everything that I just mentioned. Um, I, I will I will say this, man. All three kids are in school full time. Okay, daughter full-time two sons full-time and like I needed this I needed to get back on the horse I needed to uh, start putting my uh, more of myself in the business in uh, my businesses I'm getting ready to start a new business and uh, as soon as that is ready uh, keep an eye out because I'll be you know follow along because I'll be making everybody aware of it and uh, we got some apparel coming down the line I believe um, uh, I already have the logo designed for a nine finger chronicles hat and this will be the very first ever nine finger chronicles hat and uh, I know a, a you know the guys who have been following along for a long period of time they're just like hey man you got to get you got to get some apparel out you got to get some hat hats out and things like that so i got some i got some uh stuff coming down the pipe on that kids are back in school and uh you know it's stressful in the morning it's stressful when they get off the bus but in between it's uh really laid back now and uh it's gonna allow me to do a lot of cool things let's see what else what else what else as far as life is concerned that's about it i got some other things that uh you know that i'll talk about later but before we get into today's episode, though, I'm gonna do I'm gonna knock the the advertisements out real quick. I'm, I gotta make you aware of some of the uh, products and the people that I'm working with. And if you could do me a big favor, just go take a look at some of the products that sponsor me. Go take a look at something that you might be interested in using. Um, go to their websites. Just search around a little bit, and if you find something you like, man you know, buy it, especially if uh, I'm offering a discount code too. So let's see here. 
first off the bat, and this is something that I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, I got to get a little bit better at shooting from my saddle because although I've done it, you're going, I'm going to make a note right here. Okay, so I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Anyway, if you're looking for a saddle, if you're looking for saddle hunting accessories, if you're uh, wanting to learn more about how to hunt with a saddle, the setups, the strategy, all that stuff, go check out tetherednation.com. These guys are the best of the best when it comes to saddles, and they've created an awesome uh, saddle hunting community. So go check out Tethered, uh, all all Tethered products. Uh, The Wasp Archery Group or, you know, wasp archery, all the people over there, if you're looking for just a magnificent broadhead that destroys everything that it hits, go check out their lineup of mechanical and fixed blades. Uh, most of their heads are still made in America, and you can get 20% off when when you enter the discount code NFC20. That's 20% off. Vortex Optics, um, brand, new, brand new set of binos this year. Uh, it is the... Triumph HD, really good, really affordable pod or uh, uh, pair of binoculars. On top of that, they have uh, new tripods. They have new spotting scopes. I recently did a podcast with Mark Boardman of Vortex, and he ran through all of the new products within the last year. And there's some um, pretty cool stuff for some kids coming up here pretty soon and also go check out their apparel line uh, vortex gear uh, vortexoptics.com go check it out and take advantage of their vip warranty code blue another uh, another brand new partner that i'm inter- like very excited to work with because of this whole mock scrape thing right this mock like the sense the mock scrapes and uh, i'm really looking forward to expanding my knowledge on how how deer use scrapes um, by setting up my own mock scrapes. And so this is going to be a learning curve for me this year. I have a couple spots that um, I've, let's see, I've put out one, two, three, four, five mock scrapes across two pro- properties now. And what I'm really hoping happens is that they are they they become established deer start to visit them and the next thing you know they're using them on a regular basis uh, i would say one two three four of them are within shooting range and i'm i'm you know honestly i just am really looking it would be awesome if a, a giant buck would step up into that scrape work it and then i shoot him like that would be ideal, right? And so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that happens and uh, definitely want to learn more about that. So codebluesense.com, uh, discount code for 20% off NFC20. The Woodman's Pal is another uh, company that's new to the podcast this year. And this this Habitat tool, this machete, you know, take it, take it however you want to take it. It is a beast, man. Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, made in America, uh, the design allows you to be very aggressive with it. I mean, hacking down bushes and trees and grass and vines. We used the shit out of it this last couple of weeks when we were um, cutting lanes uh, for mock scrapes. We were cutting lanes for uh, trail cameras and clearing out, you know, clearing out all these areas. And so, um, if you're looking for something like that, that's going to allow you to, I don't know, get uh, keeping your pack. I def, I have two. So I keep one in my pack and one in my truck. And that way I have something if I need it. 
uh, on me at all times. So, uh, wood, woodmanspal.com. They've been around since 1944, I believe, or 19, the 1940s. Uh, so go check them out. And last but not least, Huntworth. They just got done, I believe. Yeah, they just got done doing their, their Black Friday, uh, in August sale. And, uh, so if you miss that, I don't know, tough shit, but, uh, they, they, I'm sure there's more coming down the pipe as far as, you know, di- a discount. I'm sure they're going to have some pre another preseason, uh, sale coming up. If not, man, you know, uh, from what I've, what I've heard about them and I, and I'll be completely honest, I'm, I've, I'm just working with them. I haven't worn any of their clothes in any new type of environment like any, any of the hunting environments yet, but just having it in my hand, I will tell you that it is a, they're very well made, very well made. And then a lot of people compare them to these elite brands. Uh, you know, you know, the brands I'm talking about. And they say that it's, you know, Huntworth is like 80 to 90% of the quality and 50% of the value. And so for a whitetail hunter, man, uh, if you're hunting, you know, I mean, really any hunter, elk hunters, pronghorn hunters, they have like an entire layering system, everything from base layers to, you know, the outer shells for very cold, cold weather. So uh, definitely go to huntworthgear.com, check it out. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, reach out to Huntworth, let them know I sent you and, uh, and, you know, research some of the, some of the products that they have. I, I, I actually do like their camel patterns. I'll be honest. Uh, um, I'm a solid guy. They they do offer solids, but I'll tell you this: I am a I'm a fan of some of their camel patterns, and I guess I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't mind using it in the tree. So, okay, um, what do we got? What do we got? Um, let me shut my phone off here before somebody calls me. I'm sure that's going to happen. What are we going to do today? Um, we're going to talk about, let's, let's do, let's do the obvious thing first. Okay. So here's where I've been struggling recently. I've been struggling with my shoulders. Okay. And just years of just years and years and years of wear and tear and lifting and sports and probably not having the best form when working out has kind of caught up to me. And so as of yesterday, I previous, I would say three months ago, I got a shot in one of my shoulders. This week, I got a shot in both my shoulders and previous, (laughs) my previous week, I got a shot in my right knee. So I had to go in for a little bit of maintenance and get my shoulders checked out because of this pain that I've been having. I haven't been able to shoot my bow as much as I've wanted to. I'm trying to let it heal. And the good thing about this is usually... Usually by now I'm dialed in. I'm a little behind. I wouldn't say I'm worried because I'm not going on a September hunt this this year. So I definitely, if I, I my first big hunt is going to come the second or third week in uh, October. That's when I'm heading out west. And so I feel very confident that I'll be ready by then. The shoulders are feeling better. Uh, I think with these shots that I've had, I'll be able to um, do, you know, do that. Uh, like I, some, some guys have said, Hey dude, you know, you could get a crossbow 
you could get uh, certified for a crossbow, have a doctor write you a note and say, Hey, uh, you could, you can use a crossbow. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I do not want to shoot a crossbow. And so I would rather take the time now to let my shoulders heal properly. Uh, and, and that's why I've been taking a, a break from shooting my bow. Uh, so that I just love, I love bow hunting. I don't want to be a crossbow hunter. I want to be a bow hunter. And so I'm treating this like a sports injury where it takes time to heal. And I need to, I really do need to uh, start shooting more. And I, I'm, I'm on a really good pace for being, for being ready for when it's game time. So I will say this though, this year I did not buy a, a brand new bow. All I did was replace the string on the bow that I've been shooting for three years. And I think that's actually going to help me because I have been shooting my bow up until like a month ago. So I would say within the last 30 days, I'd been shooting my bow. I, I'm on, but I'm not conditioned yet, if that makes sense. So my bow set up, my arrows are set up, uh, cam timing, all that, all that stuff set up. I got the arrows doing what I want them to do. Now it's just a, a matter of shooting every day and, you know, not being consistent in my shooting, uh, the, the times that I shoot, but also knowing when to not overshoot because I don't want to irritate my shoulders. And so I'm going to start slow probably this week sometime. And then I'm going to start ramping up to more arrows and more arrows. And then hopefully by, uh, you know, in a month and a half, I'll be rocking and ready to go. So, um, that's kind of the, the, as far as archery is concerned, my bow set up my shooting, that's what I've been struggling with lately, but I think I'm on a really good pace to, um, uh, to do this. So, uh, that's kind of an update on, on where I'm at there. Let's see here. What else do we, I have to do? Um, as far as cameras are concerned, uh, I think I mentioned this in a, in a previous podcast. If you follow me on social, you'll know that I've gotten my trail cameras out and I have my, I have a buck who as of right now is my number one target buck. Uh, this is last year I have experience with him. The previous year I have experience with him. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that I have a good idea of the route that he's running. He is not a deer that shows up on camera regular, regularly, uh, consistently. He is a deer that I'm... You know, I'm going to look at a map while I talk about this. Um, and so here's the strategy. I'll, I'll just get into the strategy of this particular buck before I, I get into the strategy of the other farm that I have. But I have one, two, three, four. I have four points on a map that I have trail camera pictures of this buck. Okay. And this is the strategy. And this, this is actually how I shot my buck, um, in 2021, today's 2023, yeah, 2021. And so I, and, and 2018, to be honest, and 2016 and let me see 17. No 18. Yes. 19, 19, no, 20, no, 
21, yes. 22, yes. So this strategy uh, I've, is is basically just locating where a deer's core area is. And I use every, everything that I can for, for this you know, for these deer. And so every, if it, if I see him from the stand, I count, I drop a point on a map of where he was at or where he was going or coming from. If I find a shed that tells me at some point throughout the year, he has been in this area. If I find a shed, if I get trail camera pictures of him, that tells me at some point throughout the year, this buck is doing something in this area. And so this year I have four points on a map. And it's, it creates a shape, all right? And this is what I do. I look within that shape and I can say, okay, where is the best terrain feature in this shape? And usually I can find it. Usually it's a, a pinch point between a field and like a field in the end of a ridge or a, a drainage that runs up to a, um, a, a standing ag or a drainage that runs down to, you know, an egg field, or, you know, it's a, it's a strip of timber with a really good trail on it that I can access the, you know, from, from the high ground, I get into a tree and my, you know, the access route is the wind blowing at my back to the low ground. And then I get up in a tree and uh, really if thermals are working right along with the predominant wind, it allows me to just be like undetectable in in a tree and so that's what i did in 2021 and you know one of those first time in best time in type sets and i god i felt really good about it and what do you know a big mature whitetail um got shot that day so here's what i'll say about this number one target buck i'll just paint a picture for you real quick he is a four four five i'm thinking last year he was a five-year-old this year, he could be a six. He's so conservatively, he's a five-year-old or a six-year-old. He is a mainframe 10 with crab claws up front. And then on his left G2, we got like a four-inch sticker coming out the back. Almost looks kind of like a mule deer split, but but uh, more coming off backwards. And so we have this really awesome cage on him. If I had to guess, I'm going to put him in the low to mid-170s. And he's just a gorgeous, like just a gorgeous deer. Again, not showing up on trail cameras on reg- regularly. Uh, earlier, I think it was this weekend, uh, I had a trail camera picture of him. Actually, I want to pick it, pull it up so I can tell you guys the exact date in velvet that I that I had him. Uh, and it was on last picture was the twenty fifth, so that would have been Tuesday of this previous week that's the last picture i have of him so he has been showing up off and on nothing regular again i haven't got my trail cameras out i didn't get my trail cameras out until mid-august this year like literally not this past weekend but the weekend before and so i don't have a ton of intel of what they're doing in velvet but you know again like i've mentioned i don't really care what they're doing in velvet it's just good to get pictures. It's good to know the Intel will come when I start seeing multiple, when I go to check my trail cameras, when I have multiple trail camera picks of them within an area running a circuit, 
And then I'll know that when it gets into this pre-rut time frame and, you know, the does historically from, from this don't come in until I'm going to say seventh. No, I would say closer to the 10th, 11th, like 10th through the 14th, I would say would be when the does when, when you see a ton of chasing, I'm sure there's some does that are already bred, but the big mature bucks are solo. They're not really, they're, they're scent checking, they're laying sign, but early November on that farm is really a, the pre-rut. And so what I, what I have going on is I, I have this shape. I've identified multiple uh, terrain features in this shape that, and then I have to identify certain access routes, uh, certain winds, multiple access routes, multiple winds, because a deer, this is my theory, a deer is going to move through terrain features like in this core area. If you identify a buck's core area uh, in October, you know, w- when the rut comes, it's really anything happens. But I will say that this particular deer runs two drainages. I'm gonna look at this picture again. He runs one, two, three draws, and I would say maybe a maybe a fourth one, but I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly where uh, where he comes in at. But I think actually what I'm gonna do, and this is legal in Iowa, I might put a half a bag of corn out and I'm probably I'm sure it's all going to get eaten by raccoons but I think in the field I'm going to put a half a bag of corn out in uh, up top from one of these draws and I want to see what pot comes out of this draw to eat on this corn and and as long as it's gone uh, and I want to say it's 30 days before I hunt it so if I dump the bag of corn next week I have to wait 30 days to hunt in that area Uh, if there's a kernel of corn on the ground it's still a no-go but i have a gut feeling that it's all going to be gone gone by then so um, i believe that's the rule and so i just want to get some more intel of what deer are coming out of this draw and what that's going to do is it is going to allow me to expand my it's going to allow me to expand that shape that i've identified of where this where this target buck is running and if i can expand it then that gives me more options and it gives me better insight of how he's traveling uh my gut tells me he's gonna it's gonna be south winds um there's not a lot of north because it's a it's a north facing slope so that means i will need south winds more south winds a couple east winds very uh, the way this property sets uh, this area sets of this not a lot of west winds um, I might be able to, if I, if I get in low or I come through another drainage low, I might be able to get in there. Um, but really I just have to be creative with my access routes and look at every day or every terrain feature as uh, an independent access route in an independent wind direction and, and really just be, be mobile. Right. I mean, that's that's exactly what what it is. It's just being mobile, putting myself in the right positions. I do have some sticks set up already for, you know, for a place for me to go hang my saddle when the time does come. And uh, and and so I have one or two in that area. 
And so I, I know where this deer, I have a gut feeling. I know where this deer is going to run. It's just a matter of time. Now, last year and the previous year, I think I'm on the outside of his core area. I'm, I'm thinking this buck might be on the core area of this deer might be on a different property, a very small property. And I think he sticks tight to it. This is my theory. And then he comes out every once in a while for, for a lap basically. And, uh, there was a couple other deer on camera last year that were, you know, not as big or as old as him, but when he was in the area, I wasn't getting pictures of any of these other deer. So, uh, he comes in, he dominates for a couple days and then he goes away. And, and so I'm going to have to be on top of my trail camera game. I do have some, I, I am experimenting this year with the cutty back cutty link system. And so I do have some trail camera. Uh, I will, I will hopefully have some trail camera data coming in from this, you know, some of these river bottom spots that I couldn't previously get uh, cell cams in. And so this might, you know, I'm experimenting with that this year. Uh, so far, it seems to be working. I have them in, I have them in the right spots. Now it's just a matter of time for the deer to go hard horn, shift back into their fall patterns, and then start to move through these areas. Um, I think you know the big indicator is when, as far as movement is concerned, or the the change from the summer to fall pattern really does uh, start when the velvet is stripped. There will be a a battle for dominance in said area. And usually that's when some deer disappear and some deer stick, stick, stick around. And this buck, uh, th the past three years, he's popped in and out of this farm. And I, so I, th I think what's going to happen is I have to be ready to go. I don't want to say at a moment's notice because I am an hour and a half or more away from the property, that particular property that I hunt. And so it's not like I can get a trail camera, a pick of them and get in there, you know, within an hour and get, you know, put myself in a position. It will be more of a, okay, yesterday he was here, tomorrow morning be in that spot or be in whatever, you know, whatever position you need, whatever position I need to be in to, to cut him off. And so I think I'm going to be able to gather a little bit more information over the course of October. So that way in late October or early November, I'm going to be able to hop in there and, uh, and hopefully get a crack at him. And I, I, I have a gut feeling that I am going to, I'm going to connect with him at some point, whether that's visual, because I, I still haven't seen him from the stand, but I know he's in the area. And so Maybe this is one of those years if I if I get more uh, cell cam that I'm starting to sit later into the day or get into the stand earlier in the afternoons and, and put just put in more time in the stand and find some other spots within this um, within this these terrain these set of terrain features that what I hope is that he ends up getting uh, you know I, I'm able to locate him coming out of somewhere maybe i observe him coming out of a thicket or i observe him 
uh, dropping down into a, um, a drainage from a, a different piece of the property. And because there, there is a piece of pop property right now that I, do, I don't usually touch too much. And I think it is be, it's because, number one, it's extremely thick in there. And I think that might be where he spends some of his time. But then the other hunters on the property hunt in that area. And so I don't want to get too terribly close to them, but I, I am willing to get in there and flank their positions in order to get a shot this buck. So we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, only time will tell only the, you know, I'm going to rely heavily on trail cameras. I'm going to rely heavily on what I see from the tree stand. Uh, I might get in there, you know, when, I, when, as I get mobile and I'm trying to figure this out, I'm looking at my map again. There's one, two, three spots that if I, I feel like if it's going to go down, it's going to go down. Let me put that up real quick. Yeah. Three spots that, and they're, none of them are field edge. They're all in the timber. They're all in a drainage and it's going to be a low access route with a predominant wind, either at my back or in my face. And then either walking right to a stand or Jay hooking into it and uh, having my scent almost blow up the ridge, real aggressive quartering towards. And so we'll see what happens, man. Um, you know, rely on the wind, rely on the right thermals, rely on my experience, rely a little bit on, uh, you know, ozone to, to do some work. And uh, we'll see what happens, man. It's I'll definitely be keeping you guys filled in throughout the season on uh, this this particular buck. Now, on my other farm, the if you follow along, on social or here, I'll, I'll say this. The new farm last year was on fire. I mean, there were studs. I mean, it's a, in a really good neighborhood. Again, I had my, I had my trail cameras out last year, the whole, you know, almost all of August, September, these bucks were showing up. The buck that I ended up shooting was there October. Um, the, the whole, the whole time of, November or excuse me the whole time of September the whole time the whole month of October and when I shot him I think it was like November 3rd November 3rd or November 4th I can't remember I ended up um you know I, he was he was around he was there along with some other really good deer this year's a different story this year um there's one deer that's a maybe it's, it's not an overwhelming yes. And I think a lot of that has to do two things. One with crop rotation and the other with the amount of farm work that they've been doing on this farm, right? So they've been mowing, they've been baling, and then they've been, you know, getting in there and moving the bales around. And I've, I've captured all this on cell cam. And so I know that right now it is a heavy, um, it, they're, they're working in that farm, but usually what happens is by September, the end of September, then they're done in that farm until they combine the, combine the egg on the uh, far piece of the property. And then they, they stay, they stay out of the piece that I hunt. So we'll see. And I, I'm fairly confident that something's going to move in there right now. There are a ton of does. And as we all know, what dicks, what dictates the, uh, the breeding does do. And so there's definitely going to be a 
be deer coming in, making an appearance, and making themselves be known. I, ha- I got really good uh, trail camera locations picked out that can see really good travel corridors. I can see some pinch points, um, some heavy trails, and I'm, you know, it's just a time. Am I nervous? No, I'm not nervous. I'm not, you know, shaking in my boots going, Hey, when will a big mature deer show up? I'll find one eventually. And, um, whether it's on one of my two properties or if worse comes to worse, it's on the public. I'll, I'll, I'll go find something, man. I'm not afraid to get, get out there and, and really work for it. And that's, that's the trail camera. I mean, that's the strategy this year is let the trail cameras do the scouting for me. I've already done the boots on the ground scouting, especially on my main farm. I've been every inch of that farm throughout the last 14, 15 years. And it really, I mean, it took me a while to figure that out, but I will say this. Um, now I don't have to necessarily put in too much time or energy into the, the pre and post season scouting because I know where the deer bed I know how they moved through the terrain, and it's just a matter of letting my trail cameras do the scouting for me and then putting myself in the best position to uh, to intercept said animal. So uh, that's that's the strategy. That's the the how the trail cameras are going to uh, play a role in, into the strategy this year, and I'm really looking forward to starting the, the, the chess match with some of these, these big deer. So I will definitely keep you posted. Now, um, so I talked about the trail camera insight. I talked about the strategy for the target box. I talked about my shoulder. Now I want to talk about a property tour that I recently went on and it, and it really opened my eyes. I went, I have a friend who is a big landowner in Southern Iowa And some would say that this neighborhood of where this guy lives and the surrounding farms are, is the best whitetail country in the entire world, in the entire world, right? We are talking about, and I'm going to throw a number out there and this, he doesn't own all of this. But there's a couple landowners, including him, that own, I'm going to say, somewhere around, and I know I'm. this is a, a big gap, but somewhere between six to 10,000 acres in this. And they all manage for mature whitetails. I mean heavily managed properties. And so this farm that I took a tour on, some could argue that it is literally the best whitetail farm in the country. And so the guy's a great guy. I mean, he he actually, the, the owner actually doesn't hunt that much. He actually lets his friends hunt. He lets kids get on that on on the property and shoot you know does and and maybe some management deer, you know if, if that's what you want to call it. And so, but, but he, this isn't like, this isn't like, uh, some hunting celebrities farm where they just, you know, everything is about money. This is a farm that this is this guy's passion and this passion, uh, like he is all about habitat. 
he's all about finding ways to make money off of your property, right? So he farms and he has fruit, fruit trees and he's got, um, CRP and he runs cattle on, on some parts of his property and he's, you know, obviously egg. And so this guy, he's basically a farmer who loves deer. And so he has set his farm up to just produce gigantic whitetails on a, on a consistent basis. And so I get into this conversation with him about, and in the little note I have here is property tour, what it takes. And I just want, I want everybody to put this into perspective because everybody looks at these hunting celebrities with these huge farms, thousands of acres of managed, you know, managed property, similar to what this guy does. And I just wanted to share with you what it takes to actually get mature deer on camera or not, not on camera, mature deer to live on your property, the amount of time, energy, money, and passion that you have to put into this because it has to be a passion project, right? It has to be a passion project. You have to be willing to do this for reasons outside of big deer on the wall. Like the, like I, I talked with this guy about, it's like, dude, I, the biggest deer we've ever had on this farm, he let his brother shoot it. He didn't even shoot it. He let his brother shoot it. He lets people come in and this is no joke. He lets his friends or family members um, or kids come in. And I said, how many, how many bucks do you take off of, off of all this property within a year? He goes, we take out seven or eight mature bucks at seven years or older. And here I am talking about a four-year-old, right? I'm talking about a four-year-old is a good, is a good year for me. He's taking on it on his property, seven or eight bucks a year that are seven years or older. Now that's not relatable to just about anybody. That's less than 1% of the, the hunters out there have the ability to do that. Now, that's just an age class standpoint. So I, I, start, I get a little deeper. I'm like, what are we, what are, what are these pretty much? What are these, these seven or eight, seven year olds or older, like describe to me what these are. And so because of his food plots, because of his low stress environment that these deer live in, because of a low pressure environment, either low pressure or consistent pressure, Right, because he's a farmer, he's actively working on his um, on this piece of property, and so some could argue that deer get conditioned to uh, some of the activity that happens on this farm, so they're not near as stressed because they're conditioned to it. Anyway, um, Boone and Crockett's every year, guaranteed. He's like just guaranteed. He passes one seventy, and some of the guys that hunt with him are passing 170-inch deer every single year. They're passing 180s every single year. Sometimes they're passing 190s. Sometimes this is no joke. They are passing, and the guy the guy told me, and, and this guy's an awesome guy. He is an, an absolute advocate for whitetail hunting, and uh, I, I just love the dude. But he told me in this in this conversation that he himself has passed 
multiple 200 inch deer because they were not old enough. So, so that tells me right there, there's a, there's a couple things that go on right there. You have to be dedicated to the goal of getting deer to a certain age class, right? And you can do that through management. You can do that through having the passion to do that, right? And I, I, and I was able to see the passion. Does this guy throw a lot of money at whitetails? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Um, I think the, there's overlap with this guy, though. There's overlap with actually being a farmer and agriculture and and the overlap benefits the whitetail. But he's still putting in a lot of time and energy and money into just whitetails as well. So this isn't a scenario where I say that a guy, let, let's, say, let's say like me, I don't, I come from a farming family. I, I know very little about actual growing agriculture, right? And this isn't one of those things where if I won the jackpot, I would go out and I would buy thousands of continuous acres of ground and I would probably find someone to help me make the best decisions on habitat. Thus, relieving pressure, growing deer that always have food and water available. And then, and then guarantee, like, I don't care. You can throw money at deer hunting and you'll shoot bigger antler deer. Once you can allow deer to get old and it like, there's no reward for you personally. Cause he doesn't film any of his hunts. Well, he might film them, but he, he doesn't put them on YouTube. It's all for personal stuff. All of the, like you, you, you're, if you're able to take some of that away and really manage for the deer first and not for producing a television show or producing uh, YouTube content, I think that's, that would allow a guy to do some pretty incredible things, and, and this dude is doing it. And so this farm was absolutely amazing, absolutely beautiful. I mean, it was thick and nasty in the right spots, egg, fruit trees, planted you know, hardwoods like this. And, and this has been like a 10 year project for this guy. And so it, it's awesome. I think he was telling me the story. He's like, I think he bought him and his brother maybe bought 40 acres several, several, several years ago. And they, they did what you hear people do. And that's improve it a little bit, sell it for a higher rate, take that money, put it in a down payment on a, another property that's bigger, more acreage, fix it up. And he's been doing that and doing that until he found his home, like found this area in, um, you know, in Iowa to, to expand it and continue to buy out the neighbor's property when they decided to, to buy. And the next thing you know, the dude has got the best farm in the country because he's dedicated and he's passionate about his, his goal. And that's to, to have big giant deer on his property. And so he's got the mix of ag, he's got timber, he's got, I mean, he has, he has it all there. And, but what I will say is that it was just really eye opening on the amount of, the amount of energy, time and money that, ha- that have to go into that. Right. And so don't get me wrong. It, like if you're working a nine to five at a factory somewhere or man, I don't really, it, really what it does is it comes down to priority, right? It, it, it's almost not even about money. It, although it is, 
the money comes from like almost like what are you willing to dedicate this money to? Are you de- are you willing to dedicate this money towards buying ground and saving and not spending money on a new truck, not spending money on going out to eat, not spending money at a bar, right? You know, it is it is a dedication to the goal. Just like anything, like Kobe Bryant, right? What made him the one of the best basketball players or Michael Jordan? The, one of the best basketball players, you hear these stories about these guys who are in the gym all day long. They were working on their craft all day long. They were dedi- They dedicated their life to it. And that's the results they get. And so you have guys out there like, you know, like this guy who have dedicated their life to this piece of ground, to the white-tailed deer, and good things are coming out of that. And so kudos to, you know, kudos to that guy. And, um, it, again, it was a, a a real eye open, you know, eye opening to all the energy that was put into that. So that's what I re- that that trip, and it got me a little jealous, man. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm like, dude, I wish I could do this. And so, but it, it's not it's not about wishing. It's about making a plan, and then putting the plan in motion. If you want to be a landowner, man, you got to sacrifice somewhere else, especially in today's market where interest rates are high and land prices are even higher. And the county that I live in, 100 acres just sold for $1.3 million. million. That was like $13,000 an acre. And that's not even agriculture ground. Like my my grandma, um, when she passed away, they had to have those farms evaluated. I think they were 12 grand an acre for what some would argue is the best black dirt in the country. Uh, in north central Iowa and you know just just pristine black dirt awesome for growing crops and so you know and so now you have and this is where I don't even know how to say this without sounding like a dick but this is where I have kind of a problem with how deer the direction that deer hunting is going right you have these companies who they have a they have a job to do they they want to make money in the real estate game and so what do you do you take a local farmer who's getting ready to sell his property and let's or let's say he passes away he's got multiple kids the kids don't want to get into farming the kids have all moved out of that area and now you have this farm for sale that maybe he let other people hunt, maybe his family hunted on it, whatever the case may be, friends. And now we have this displacement because that farm is getting sold specifically for hunting. Not even a non-resident or someone not in the area will come in. They will find someone to cash rent it. They won't. They won't do the work themselves. And then the they'll they will hunt it. Them or their family will hunt it. And so now we have a, this displacement. And I see, I see that a lot down uh, south of Des Moines, uh, where you see because the people looking to make money, all they want to do is make money. They don't care about the second or third layer when you peel back that these like when you're when there's big deer on a property. That property has more value, right? It even it even goes beyond agriculture or 
you know, farming at this point. It becomes all about the deer. And somebody somewhere will spend a shit ton of money. I mean, it's a good business plan. Shit ton of money. They don't care what the acreage costs. And then they buy it for that amount of money because... But then it's worth that to some people. But what that does is it drives up ground all the way around there or within that county. And then some guy's like, hey, man, I'm really excited. I want to go buy a farm, but I can't because the prices are up. And now I got to save more for a down payment and all that stuff. So I just I I'm not I'm not 100 percent educated in, in some of some of how that works. But I will say I really my gut feeling tells me that there's all these additional layers that the people who are marketing these hunting properties for are are really doing a dis, disservice for hunting as a whole because of their their approach to buying and selling ground uh and i'm not sure i don't i just don't know man it's just a gut feeling i have so um that's a bit that's about it guys right uh i'm I, if this was a boring episode because it was just me talking i really do appreciate it or <laughs> I, sorry I, I i wanted to get everybody caught up but uh i really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to hop on and listen to this and have a you know have a really good uh you know really good day please go to itunes leave a five-star review please go to instagram make sure you're following the nine finger chronicles and the hunting gear podcast Uh, if you have a specific guest or a topic that you would like covered reach out to me on instagram send me a dm and let me know and uh last but not least man it's all about these good vibes right we got to have uh, we got to have good vibes. We got to practice shooting our bows um, or guns or whatever weapon you decide to, to use. Then you need to be proficient with it. And so get out there and practice and practice. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to the animal that you're hunting to put a good ethical shot on them. And uh, I know that's a, a gray area, but we owe it to the animal to try to kill them as fast as possible. And so. Uh, Go practice, go practice, go practice. Good luck, right? Good vibes in, good vibes out. And uh, huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, and uh, Huntworth. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, man, it's almost uh, tree time. So if you're going to be in a tree stand or a tree saddle, well, obviously a tree saddle, but uh, wear your damn safety harness, guys. Thank you.